What is up, freaks? Welcome back to Tales from the Crypt. It's your boy Marty Bent here on a rainy, cold Thursday, early afternoon in Brooklyn, New York, sitting down with my good friend Matt O'Dell for another edition of Rabbit Hole Recap. Matt, how are you today? We got new fucking mics. We do. Uh, I surprised Matt with a new setup today. Hopefully, uh, this mic setup uh, is better for you audiophiles out there. We've had a lot of complaints about the sounds in the past. It's been the bane of my existence for the last two years in this podcast. Audio, it's not easy if you're not an audio engineer, if you're just some some schlub writing about Bitcoin and you get into podcasting and audio editing. You find that audio is a, is a pretty fickle thing to mess with. So we got new mics. We got new mic lines. We got new pop filters. Hopefully our P's aren't popping too much anymore. We've got a, a new recorder here. We, we've upgrade, upgraded the, uh, the studio equipment here hopefully uh it produces a better product audio wise if you know it feels like christmas uh super excited also i'm excited that we're finally doing it on thursdays again we've been doing fridays the last couple of weeks because it's been tight um and i just wanted to thank all the we're so thankful to all the tftc uh contributors out there all the freaks out there who who have helped helped pay for these mics so thank you guys yeah shout out to you freaks for contributing um we've actually got a shout out today to read uh, if you guys want to go contribute you like what we're doing you want to help make our audio better maybe help us get into video get into a legitimate studio tftc.io slash contribute uh while on that note we got to give a shout out to our sponsors who help also uh help make this happen cash app you guys already know all about them if you're in the u.s or any country where cash app is available and you listen to this podcast i don't know what you're waiting for go download the app Right now, use the code StackingSats, S-T-A-C-K-I-N-G-S-A-T-S, one word. You're going to get $5, and $5 is going to go to Al's Lacrosse Charity in Chicago, very near and dear to our heart. Uh, on top of that, you're going to get the Cash App functionality, which means you can buy and sell Bitcoin within the app, and then you can send Bitcoin uh, from the app to a personal wallet, from a personal wallet to the app. Uh, and then you had the boost program, used it this morning, got a dollar off coffee. The coffee boost is still around. It's just a little harder to get to. You got to use the cash up five times, and then you get, uh, I believe, three $1 off instances at a local coffee shop. So again, stacking sats, get that $5, send $5 to Owls, go to your local app store, download that today. Also got to give a quick shout out to Unchained Capital. You freaks know all about them. They've been with us for quite a while here at TFTC. And um, I'm pulling up the copy right now because they have new copy. Uh, this episode of Tales from the Crypt is brought to you by Unchained Capital. We talk a lot about multi-sig security, and Unchained offers multi-sig vaults for both individuals and businesses. Unchained's collaborative custody model is a great way to improve security, create redundancy, and reduce risk of single points of failure while also retaining control of your funds. Unchained also offers an integrated lending platform with its multi-sig vaults. If you need liquidity but don't want to sell your Bitcoin, they offer easy access to loans using Bitcoin as collateral. Collateral is always stored on-chain uh, in a dedicated multi-sig address with the option for you to hold a key. Uh, so you'll always have control over that, and your Bitcoin is never rehypothecated. On top of this, the on-chained team uh, are beast in the open-source world. Uh, their Bitcoin is working on supporting multiple open-source projects, including uh, Slip39, Smart Custody, Hermit, and Caravan. Check them out. Go to unchained-capital.com. That's unchained-capital.com. Um, heavy week of ads here. We've got our friends at Bull Bitcoin too. Should I read the poem again? 
Should we just give the bull Bitcoin spiel? If you're in a... Let's change it up for the freaks. Let's change it up for the freaks. If you're in Canada, if you're a Canadian freak in particular, uh, and you're looking to stack sats, bullbitcoin.com is helping you do that. Uh, They've got an incredible team. Francis Paulette, BTC Sessions, Ben, uh, they're putting together an incredible product. They're very Bitcoin-minded. There's not going to be any shitcoins. They have it in in a non-custodial fashion, so you can buy and send it right to a personal wallet. And on top of that, they're they're coin joining all the coins, so they're they're working on uh, creating better privacy for their for their users and just overall great Bitcoiners as well. So bullbitcoin.com. If you're in Canada, go check that out. And if you're not in Canada and you want to get some of their dope merch, bitcoinoutlet.com. Get some of their merch. Yeah, their merch is sexy as fuck. Yeah, and then uh, new sponsor. Very happy to have these guys on as well. Casa, we're actually going to be talking about one of the products they released this week. Um, so freaks, how confident are you in your key security? Uh, what keeps you up at night, uh, with your personal OPSEC, our friends at Casa have drummed up one of the smartest and most secure ways to hodl your Bitcoin, no KYC, no altcoins, no percentage fees on your Bitcoin, no one standing between you and your keys, uh, incredible team, including Jamison Lop, Jeremy Welch. Uh, if you guys use the promo code TFTC, you're going to get up to $250 off your Casa membership, uh, by going to keys.casa. Uh, on top of that, if you just want to hit them up directly, you can email them at membership at team.casa for a free demo, and you can put them to the test with your, your craziest OPSEC questions, have them walk you through the product, and, and get more comfortable with them. So you can go visit them directly at keys.casa. If you want to email them directly, it's membership at team.casa. And again, if you use the code TFTC, you're going to get up to $250 off. Woo! Wow, well done. That was uh first four ad guy we had. And for you freaks out there, that is that is the full inventory. We're only ever gonna do four ads. Thank you for uh for bearing with us. Yeah, yeah, we've we've maxed out there. And no no mid rolls. You're never gonna get a mid roll from us. No. Um but giving it uh in the spirit of the contributions and stuff, we do have one shout out this week. And it's from our friend Fartface two thousand. He says, Buy them Bitcoin, they will hodl better than you. And I think he's He's referring to children. He must be alluding to children who buy his <clears throat> BitPiggy uh Yeah, so he's got the savings. BitPiggy. Buy the kids Bitcoin. They will hodl better than you. Fartface2000, a.k.a. FF2K, a.k.a. Pigtoshi. Marty actually has a BitPiggy sitting on his desk <clears throat> right now. I'm looking at it. It's right in the foreground here, always looking at it. Shout out to Fartface, incredible Bitcoiner. Uh, he was at the... Yes, he was, at the workshop. I don't know if I should dox him and tell people that, but... Yeah, he was at the uh, workshop. Yeah, I guess... Oh, yeah, I think I might have. He no, he tweeted about it because okay. I responded on Twitter. I was like, "Great to meet you too, dude." Sorry if I. It was great to meet him. Uh, so his product is a. It's it's a three D printed piggy bank, and then inside you have an open dime, and on the outside you have the QR code for the public key. Um, this is actually a good uh, transition into we we just recently posted uh, two new guides into our YouTube channel. Uh, you can find our YouTube channel at tftc.tv. Huge and domain name. Great domain name. It's always nice when uh, the addiction pays off. <laughs> um, and the videos were on the Open Dime. So so every bit piggy comes with an Open Dime. So if you want to learn more about the Open Dime, you can... One video is to learn more about it. And then the second video is... Basically, the Open Dime is a stick that allows you to hand someone Bitcoin. And they know you don't have the private key, but you don't have to actually do a Bitcoin transaction. It's just like if you paid them cash. Um, so they're really great for gifts. They're, it's, this is a great uh, 
use of them with the BitPiggy, uh, besides the fact that there's no backup. So uh, actually, if I was using the BitPiggy, probably what I would do is I would... Hold it yourself? No, I would use the use the open dime to create the generate the key pair and then once you have the address you can actually unseal it which we show you how to do in the video um and then you can copy the private key off just sweep it you, you don't even have to sweep it just back up the private key okay but these open dimes they last a long time people have you know thrown them through the ringer i think like american hoddle was was bragging about he keeps it on his keychain uh, our, our buddy nick carter has like done a lot of damage to his and they still work so they're pretty fucking reliable but there is no backup so be aware before we lost our boy kevin fam he was wearing them around his neck like dog tags as well yeah also crypto brecky wears his uh or i guess now he's going by bitcoin brecky um but he wears one around his neck which is a horrible idea but he says it's unfunded so he says that. I hope they are. Still a horrible Shout idea. Shout out to Bitcoin Brecky. Go check out. If you're gonna wear one on your neck, it should be funded at least. Otherwise, that's it's true. Bullshit. And if you're wearing one around your neck and it has one whole Bitcoin on it, right now, according to the TFTC.io ticker, the price would be eight thousand one hundred ninety-four dollars and eighty-nine cents, and uh, you'd be able to move that Bitcoin after block five hundred ninety-seven thousand seven hundred nine. Good job there. That was good. Yeah. And segways. I really like the idea. I still really like the idea. I would never wear one, but hear me out, of, of having some kind of like piece of jewelry similar to an open dime that would signify how much Bitcoin you were holding on it. I don't like this. You, so we've talked about this before. So the wrappers like could bling it, you know? I think it's a great idea. I know. I wouldn't wear it. You wouldn't wear it. Right, but the rappers would wear it. Yeah. Be good publicity. These mics are so good, they might be able to pick up my iced coffee sip. Right I think now. they're picking up everything. They might be picking up your, your mouse clicks. You might want to use the the touchpad up there. I think I will do that. I will do that moving forward. Um, again, like last week, I love this. Uh, actually, not having to hold a mic and being able to have hand gestures is uh, it's pretty big. It's pretty sad that we were holding mics up until this point. Two years, people. Two years. You know, we move slow here. Slowly but surely. we got to make sure the product is proven before we throw more investment into it. A lot of other people should think about that, you know? Bootstrap this bitch. Fact. Um very similar to last week. Not a huge week of news, but some interesting news. Uh, a lot of fodder to talk about. One thing that you uh, you found yesterday and were tweeting all about was uh, YouTube sensation Michelle Fan uh, has apparently come out as a Bitcoiner. So for background story for who Michelle is, apparently she was like one of the first YouTube stars to really build up her audience and monetize it. She was a beauty star doing makeup tutorials and uh, stuff like that but I believe she left the scene like two or three years ago and just went completely dark and has randomly over the last six months just come out and what she's been talking about is Bitcoin and how Bitcoin can change the world. And she's she's been, completely woke. Yeah, it's so crazy to see. It's uh, But again, like we're in, we talk a lot about this on RHR and, and Marty's Bent and in Tales from the Crypt, the interview series is, is the... Uh, the culture around Bitcoin and, and getting it into the minds of the masses. Like some people may look at a, a beauty star on YouTube, like, ah, who cares what she has to say about Bitcoin? But these people have insane reach and very engaged fan bases. So, uh, and her, see, and her, she knows her shit, like watching the videos that you posted, like seeing her spread that message to millions of her fans is incredible. And specifically her fans are female dominated, right? Yes. I Which believe is so. huge. Yeah. Um, everyone knows that the space is, is dominated by men. Um, it is what it is. And but 
but people like Michelle will help change that. Yeah, uh, she's very articulate and very passionate, right? It doesn't seem like she's, uh, at least from what I've seen, like a, too much of a shill or has an ulterior motive. I think she's, she read the Bitcoin standard. You can tell. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I so so this isn't necessarily like breaking news or anything. So she's been pro Bitcoin for a while now, but I she wasn't on my radar at all. I had no idea. Um, but they they recently the New York Mag released an article with her highlighted in it, and there's this quote in this article. They talk about Bitcoin in the article, and the quote is. I'm actually more excited about Bitcoin than I was when I first discovered YouTube. And it was, it's just like, that's, this is the kind of and publicity that gets Bitcoin mainstream that like brings in a whole new group of individuals. Yeah. And, and let's give credit where credit is due to Michelle. Like Michelle was one of the pioneers on YouTube. And so for somebody who uh, rode that wave and was pretty early on there to see her, sort of uh, seeing a similar vibe in Bitcoin is a good sign. Like she's had success in the past and uh, seeing it in Bitcoin is, is uh, very, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's just a good thing to see. Also, her podcast has 23 million subscribers on YouTube. So, <laughs> yeah. So shout out to Michelle. Michelle, if you're listening, I know you might be. Uh, invite to TFTC, TFTC is open. If you ever want to come shoot the shit, you know what? I'd fly to LA for that too. If that's where you are. Um, to some more boring news, we didn't talk about it last week because it was so boring, so underwhelming. We forgot <laughs> to put it on the list. Yeah, uh, backed. They launched their their futures contracts last Monday, right? Correct or Sunday night? I think didn't they? They launched it right before we went on the podcast, right? No, it launched like on a Sunday night. Oh yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, so was it two Sundays ago? Yes, I believe it was a week from. Like it, it, will be five... two, it will be two weeks from this Sunday. Um, Let me see. I have it here. Um, but they launched to, I believe they had, ironically, like 70, or not ironically, they had like 72 Bitcoin worth of volume on the first day. September 23rd they launched. Yeah, so. And today's October 3rd. Yeah, so a week from Sunday past. Yeah, and their volume has been pretty low. Today Today they're at 17 Bitcoin volume. Um, yeah. So what is that like 130k? Yeah, nothing crazy. And this is something we've been warning. About. I mean, I think I like to think that we've been on top of this topic here at TFTC. Is that don't hold your breath for this this institutional money meme backed was a uh, was a big a lot of hype a lot of hype around it. But also the product they launched is not exactly what they wanted to launch. Correct? I don't know. It's a pretty cool product, right? It's it's daily and monthly futures, and it's actually physically settled. I'm getting I'm getting backed in Vanek confused. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Vanek is the guys who are doing like the GBTC clones of yes. the ETF. Yeah, yeah. This is I mean this is a, I think a really big deal, but not like a short term deal, right? Like people need to get comfortable with the product and use it and whatnot. But um, for a certain group of traders, this is a very ideal product, and and it's better from a market perspective than cash settled futures. Um, but it's, it's a lot more unique than cash settled futures that, you know, a lot of these traders are already comfortable with it. So it makes sense that they're, they're more used to using CME's product. They're not going to move over to backed right away. Um, yeah, so it's just, it's just going to take time. One of the things I thought that was interesting is it's basically 24 seven, except for a two hour period every day. 
Is that is that how normal futures work? I don't think so, right? Like CME is two hours a week. It's it's not open, right? Or yeah, like five hours fr- a week or Friday something. Friday night or something like that. To like they Sunday should. afternoon or Sunday morning or something. Yeah, that's that's correct. They don't. Yeah, it's not like the stock market where it closes at four thirty every afternoon. Um, yeah, this is it's closed from six p.m. to eight p.m. New York time every day. It's yeah. the only time it's closed. Yeah, interesting. It is, um, but it's a good. It, I mean. And it, it draws out the debate, like, where is the demand for Bitcoin going to come from? Is it going to come from the institutional investors or, uh, like, the Mr. Hoddles of the world like to say it's going to come from individuals? Like, the individuals are on the way should be the meme, not the institutions that are on the, the way. The Mr. Hoddles of the world are on the way? Is that what it is? Well, Mr. Hoddle oh. tweeted out, uh, I think he's trying to meme individuals are on the way as opposed to institutions are on the way, which I think is a good one. I mean, that's what the stacking sats movement is, right? Yeah. No, and it's actually... Uh, a good segue into one of the topics we have on the list. It's not the next one on the list, but uh, the uh, useful tulip site. And so this is uh, a site created by this dude Matt uh, Alborg here in New York. He create or excuse me, he dropped an article in February that we covered in in the bent. Um, let me pull it up here. Going to use the touchpad so we don't get that's usefultulips.com. dot com or dot org. Oh, is it not dot com? It is not .com. Yeah, sorry. I finally pulled it up. Um, yeah, yeah, it's dot, .org. It is .org. Usefultulips.org. Yeah, and so this is basically a follow-up site to Matt's article uh, from February, which dove in and created the metric uh, user usage per online economic person, which basically was a metric that Matt created to try to determine uh, the demand for Bitcoin driven by utility uh, from country to country, so he, he basically measured uh, GDP per capita per country and then access to the internet within that country and then Bitcoin penetration via volume on local Bitcoins within each country. And in February, he basically came out with an article putting forth that uh, in countries where Bitcoin is needed most from a from a utility perspective, like Venezuela, Russia, um, other Latin American countries with poor currencies, that's where Bitcoin was being adopted and used most heavily according to this uh, uh usage per online economic person metric. So that was fascinating when it came out. Uh, we, we covered that. And then so earlier this week, Matt dropped usefultulips.org, which is a site that's going to sort of grow on that article that he dropped in February and then has a lot more robust data on the P2P exchange volume throughout the world. So And then he did the uh, immense task of denominating all in U.S. dollar volume. So you get a better sort of picture of of the the actual volume of bitcoin being traded in these countries yeah i mean the website's awesome and it's just awesome that it's it's interactive yeah but again like the data it's not concrete yet like we have to take into consideration things that uh mauricio brought up last week when he was talking about uh, the venezuelan government using local bitcoins to buy bitcoin directly like obviously that is um that is something that needs to be taken into consideration. But the data is showing that it seems that people are using Bitcoin uh, in these countries out of utility and not speculation. So they're using it to remit money from uh, family members abroad to store value uh, against something like the the peso um, or the Bolivar or to um, store value in something that's harder to confiscate than physical gold or dollar bills or yeah to move money out of the country yeah yeah or to go across borders and hit up a bitcoin atm 
No, I mean, look, it's I don't it's it's not sexy and Twitter doesn't like nuance. But really, it's going to be all sorts of people are going to buy Bitcoin and bring us to the moon, right? It's not going to just be institutional money. It's not just going to be like the humble sat stacker. It's not just going to be a person in Venezuela. It's just people everywhere will slowly be buying and that will increase over time. Yeah, I agree. But it is uh, it is cool to to see to see how it's happening, right? Like backed is not uh, not as popular as some people thought it was going to be. And then something like uh, Bitcoin actually being useful in countries where it's needed is something that uh, people have been like, ah, I doubt people are actually using it uh, out of utility, but that's starting to be proven wrong, and they actually are. Um, so it's just interesting to see the uh, the confluence of, of Bitcoin users on each end of the spectrum. Um, so yeah, go check out usefultulips.org. And I, I think it's important to mention here that, you know, are people using Bitcoin in these countries? Yes. Is it in a is it a large amount? No, it's, it's growing every day, but it's it's not this huge amount. Uh, I I don't want us to be embellishing like the number. I I know like a lot of people on Twitter this week were talking about the Hong Kong protests and how local Bitcoin's volume was at its highest it's ever been. Um, yeah, there was something I I was seeing tweets that volume is like three x what it was last week or something. Yeah, like but that. it's one hundred and seventy five Bitcoin. You know, so yes, like that's great to see that Hong Kongers are turning to Bitcoin more, but like 175 Bitcoin is just like one rich person putting in like a very tiny amount, right? Like that's it's like one and a half million dollars or something like that. Yes. So it's it's not. What we, would satisfy a, you, Matt? I it's great to see, and I and I I love watching number go up. Um, in terms of volumes in these countries, and it's it's up significantly from where it used to be, even just a year ago, two years ago. Uh, but it's important to you know just tamper expectations a little bit, just like what we saw with uh, backed. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Being a little antagonistic there, but be on the lookout. Again, we're shilling useful tulips hard here. Uh, Matt is coming out with a full. Matt Alborg is coming out with a full, uh, packs full. Uh, data set as well so that'll help give a better full rounded picture yeah because the question is now with local bitcoins is they have kyc they stopped cash trades um well i was actually dming matt and he said there's tiers yeah but the lowest tier is are we fuzzy again no we're good the lowest tier is like a thousand dollars a year or something is ridiculous yeah um and i mean paxwell has kyc too and then the other thing is once you make a trade on local bitcoins, like why would you use the site again? You might as well just go outside. Yes. So those are uh, two things to keep in mind. Yeah. So exactly, and it, it really uh, drives home the difficulty uh, with which it is to to draw a complete picture of of how Bitcoin is being used and and yeah. where it's being used. Yeah. I mean, you can never verify any of these volumes, like exchanges, all these different exchanges and stuff. It's self-reported. It's hard to audit. Um, and even if you're auditing it, it requires trusted third parties. Um, so these are all just estimates, and you got to take everything with a grain of salt, really. Yes. Um, let's stay on the topic of Hong Kong. They uh, announced this week that they're going to enact 1967 emergency laws, uh, which uh, which basically dictate that protesters are not allowed to, not allowed to wear masks in protests and, and some other things. Yeah, I think they can also search premises and seize assets much easier and make arrests much easier. Uh, they had a lot of protests uh, in the 60s, so so they're p- 
pulling up this old law. Uh, they're putting it into action, and it's for two purposes. It's it's people are using the masks for privacy. Um, China, you know, has quickly become like the number one surveillance state in the world, uh, at least like in your face in terms of cameras and stuff. You know, maybe the U.S. gives them a run for their money a tiny bit in terms of like global communications. Um, but people use the masks to protect themselves from being identified at the protests. And then the second thing is like they're tear gassing protesters. Well, uh, they're shooting rubber bullets at them and stuff. So well, the masks help protect in that situation. And they're, now they're going to make it a crime just to be wearing them. Yeah, it has been a little unnerving to see the escalation of uh, what's been happening in Hong Kong. Did you see that, like, the group of protesters beating beating the cops at rods, and then the one uh, the one cop had to pull out his gun and actually shoot a protester? Yeah, he shot him in the shoulder. Yeah, but he's he's in the hospital. He's stable and stuff. Yeah, but I and I mean, what I'm trying to the thread I'm trying to pull there is that it seems like things are escalating. Obviously. I mean, he hit him with the rod right before he shot him, and they were, like, at point-blank range. Yeah. And, like, American cops would do a lot worse than... Exactly. I mean, those those Hong Kong cops, only they only have a revolver. That's what they're... I mean, some of them are carrying around, like, shotguns with, like, uh, rubber bullets in them and stuff like that. But in terms of what the standard carry is there, it's just a single revolver. Yeah. Um... But the populace is unarmed and that's why they have sticks instead of that's why they have rods instead of guns and that it's that definitely highlights uh you know the power of 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 individuals being able to uh arm themselves that's actually a good point to bring up i actually saw a couple tweets of people calling for uh like defense distributed ghost gunner materials to get into hong kong but there's a guy in hong kong that's like working on it supposedly really yeah so i mean because they also took parts from like they've they've gotten a bunch of police weapons, I think. It was this it was seemed like where the tree was going. But anyway, this mask law is like the ultimate. Uh, it's like the physical manifestation of like all these anti-encryption laws, right? It's like oh, you have nothing to hide. Like why do you need a mask? And I think for people when they hear that you're not allowed to wear a mask to a protest they immediately know something's wrong with that, right? That sounds like an authoritarian government. It's straight out of V for Vendetta. Yeah, I wish they felt that way when they when they hear, like, encryptions used by criminals and you have nothing to hide, so why are you trying to hide it? Should be. It's the same thing. It's, just, it's basically the same exact thing. People don't realize that yet. But I'm hoping, like, we should use this mask thing to to help uh, open Drive people's. that point home. It's yeah, actually, drive it home. Um over the weekend, I saw two people with, uh, I don't know if, if they were just crazy Williamsburg people trying to be kooky, or if they were like crazy cypherpunks trying to drive a, a point home, but uh, with like uh, facial recognition, just like uh, uh, confusing makeup on, like multiple eyes like painted on their face and stuff like that. Are you, do you think it was for facial recognition or do you think it was, I oh, see so you don't know. I don't. I, I don't know. I just saw, like saw them walking and passing, but they would. probably... You remember the guy at Bitcoin twenty twenty who had like the the shade. It was like chain chain mail on his face. Yeah, or her face. No one knows. You never know. Um, but that was actually crazy to see in person. I was like, whoa. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I, I'm not sure if I'm sold on the whole using makeup uh, to deter cameras because can't you just then identify them by the makeup at least for. Well, the the point is that you draw a different design every time you go out. I guess so. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to be one of the first to jump on this 
makeup to change to mess up facial recognition craze. Maybe I'll join later. I'll be a late adopter to that. And the smartphones are a bit a big issue too, right? You yeah, can't have a phone in your pocket when you're doing that's it. That's true. That's true. That'll really uh, a lot of nuance to this shit. Exactly. Um, but it's a good segue into the story that we wanted to bring up because there was a lot of confusion around it. The U.S. and the U.K. Cloud Act agreement. Um, this is an agreement that a lot of people that basically the U.S. and U.K. Um, uh, enforcement agencies, CIA, FBI, are going to start sharing data with each other. And a lot of people uh, thought that the act dictated that uh, tech companies within each country had to build backdoors into their encryption services. But it seems that is not the case. Correct, Matt? Yeah, they at least don't have to build additional backdoors if they already have them in place. Um this act is ba- this agreement is basically it says that the US government when they request information from British companies it's like the same as if the British were requesting it and vice versa um so it gives them both a lot more power over each other's companies uh in terms of information requests warrants stuff like that um that includes encrypted chat data and so i guess bloomberg and a couple other sources reported that um, you know, Facebook, for instance, would be handing over encrypted chat data from WhatsApp to the British uh, in in relation to criminal investigations. And yes, they will be doing that, but the the information will still be encrypted. You know, whatever that's worth. If they have you know a backdoor for some other reason, then that's another story. But they're actually handing over encrypted data without the encryption key. Um, so yeah, it's not as bad as we originally thought. Uh, but the war on encryption continues regardless. Uh, and the Five Eyes, you know, Britain is part of the Five Eyes with the U.S., New Zealand, Australia. And who's the... Canada? Canada, I believe. Yeah. And so th- they've already been sharing a lot of information behind, do- behind closed doors. This is, you know, a more public-facing thing. So they're getting a little bit more ambitious here. And it's just something to just, you know, keep an eye on. Not even keep an eye on, but it's... Uh, it's- a data point, a long string of uh, heating cells adding to the the pot of boiling frogs that is uh, civil liberties throughout the world. Like this is like something, something like the Patriot Act that people were like okay with passing at the time seemed pretty innocuous, but we're finding eighteen years later that it's pretty, pretty Orwellian. And something like the Cloud Act where everybody's just like oh. These five governments can just share everybody's data. Well, it's not that well. The cloud actually they can these pull the two. data. Yeah, it's just these two, not five, well, for whatever it's worth. Two of the most powerful countries yeah. in the world can just go over borders and take data from from companies in the other country. Like, and nobody. It doesn't seem like there was a big protest or pushback against it. And it seems like something that was just signed and passed into law without much pushback. Yep. So be aware, freaks. Be aware. Um, they're out there. I mean, I don't think this needs like congressional approval or anything. It's a, isn't it just the executive doesn't? Yeah, I mean, the White House just is able to. Executive orders have been very hot. Let me, um, um, but yeah, I, I think people need to be vigilant. I mean, we should have been, a lot of people called out the Patriot Act when it got passed for whatever it's worth. Uh, but they use fear just like they did with the Patriot Act, just like they do with this. And they say criminals and terrorists and whatnot. And that's how they, that's how they take away your civil liberties. And I think it's interesting that, you know, you have, um, like lawmakers in Britain and stuff saying that this banning of face masks in Hong Kong is 
authoritarian and bad, but they're basically doing the same exact thing because they're trying to ban encryption. They don't even let you in Britain. You can't look at porn without KYC. <laughs> um, I mean, unless you use a VPN. So they're educating all their citizens on VPN usage. So that's good, at least. Matt Odell, big porn advocate. <laughs> um, no, but it is a, it is a mandate. I'm checking the uh, the verbiage here. So it's a mandate, which I don't think gets gets voted on. It's just mandated. Yeah, exactly. Executive. Yeah. There you go. So it makes sense that there'd be less protests than something else. I mean, like in our circles, everyone was talking about it. Yeah. So that's good, at least. Yeah. Um, so be aware. I'll put the, the link to this article in particular in the show notes from Tech Dirt, And uh, just follow along. Just fight for your civil liberties in the digital age. You want to be able to wear a mask on the internet. Yeah, I mean, look, I think it's good that WhatsApp... Uh, included encryption i think they do a lot of bad things and you know it shows that you know i mean it's facebook right but it shows they have a lot of bad intentions in terms of they still collect all the metadata on you and your conversation they know who you're talking to when you're talking to them um they're probably pulling a bunch of other data from your phone and then they also their way they do their backups is they back up to your cloud provider unencrypted so um you're having a conversation with Joe and Joe is just, he's got his, you know, he follows the prompts on WhatsApp when he first loads it up and he's got auto backup set up for iCloud. Um, now they're sitting there in plain text uh, in your iCloud account, in, in Joe's iCloud account. So like you don't even know that he's backing it up. So just, I mean, you should already basically consider like all your messages, pretty much like all your messages that are going through your smartphone. Like, have varying levels of security, but you should just assume that they're all going to be compromised. Assume that Sauron is watching. And operate accordingly. Yes. But definitely WhatsApp. Like, WhatsApp is... Uh, don't love it. Yeah, not a big fan either. Um, what I am a big fan of, though, is what our what our boy, Michael, from, from Noddle is putting out there with his new product, HostForCoins.net. This is a really cool project from Michael... I believe he teased it on stage in Riga a couple of weeks ago, but basically it's a, uh, a hosting service that he's providing with no KYC, only payable in Bitcoin. Uh, and I believe he's targeting Bitcoiners and cypherpunks running websites uh, to start. So if you have a BTC pay server running in the cloud like we do, uh, and you'd rather have it run uh, on a Bitcoin Bitcoiner server as uh, opposed to something like AWS, uh, the service is available for you. It's got tiers depending on how much bandwidth and CPU and RAM you're using per month. Um, but yeah, so this is hostforcoins.net. Um, if you want to run a Bitcoin node, you should wait because they, he's also going to release the Nautil Cloud very soon. Um, and when he does that, it'll be more like all the specs and stuff will be more purpose built for that that purpose. Uh, this is more so like you can just like quickly spin up a server for anything you want to do. Uh, the the pro the main problem is like storage requirements are a big one um, for these instances that he's providing. But it's really cool because there's no KYC, which I love. It does ask for an email address, but you can put in a bogus email address. There's no verification there. Uh, if you put in a proper email address, then you'll get notifications and stuff. But they're privacy preserving notifications. Um, and I really love that it was priced in Sats. Everything is priced in Sats, so Sats the standard. Sats so the standard, and do you see this becoming a more popular business model in the future? Like it is so much more seamless to be able to just spin up an instance by going to this website, 
opening up a BTC pay invoice. If you already have a Lightning wallet, it's super seamless. Well, even on top of like ease of use, like just uh, thinking adversarially, would you rather host stuff on something that Michael's hosting or AWS? Like, do you think there's less possibility that you get censored on this hosting service? Or well, I mean, the nice thing is if you get censored, you won't get identified at least. Uh, the real question is, uh, you know, props props to Michael. I know he's looked into his local laws and whatnot. Um, but I would be, you know, kind of worried running a non-KYC server business. But I respect the shit out of him. He's a great dude. He's, he's a close friend. Um, but for the actual user, the end user, there's huge advantages there for them not knowing who you are. So at least you have that going for you. I mean, they could always they could always shut him down, um, but it's it's good to have options, right? Like if they shut him down, you can move to AWS. If they shut you down in AWS, you can move to him. I should have cut this line. What line? This this thing. That's what it is. I had my line riled up, and that was the uh, there was a little disturbance there. Are we gonna cut back and re-talk there? No, we're good. That was just a short one. I'm sorry about that, freeze. Technical difficulties as we set up the new gear. I hope it wasn't too much. <laughs> Marty was like making hand motions in the background while I was finishing that. Uh... But anyway, hostforcoins.net. Check it out. I think the cheapest one is $8 in the month. Um, but I, I want to, let's not move on yet. I want to keep talking about this. Like, all right, let's say they do shut down Michael in the future because he's doing this. Could you see like an anonymous version of this uh, popping up and it being harder to shut that down or something like that? Well, I mean, you could run a, an onion service um through tor uh it could still get ddos uh, there's no real like perfect solution there yet um like the internet is very centralized and you know what i'm trying to you know what i'm trying to tease that here is there a situation in which like somebody could run a hosting service and it would be very hard for authorities to find out where it is um, or would they be able to identify it via IP? Um, well, I mean, it'd be nice if we had, for instance, if we had domain registrars that you can do so anonymously. There might be some that I'm not aware of. Um, yeah, I mean, I, one of the advantages we have going for us here is, you know, you have jurisdictional arbitrage. So as long as some jurisdictions allow people to set up these uh, hosting sites, then we should be relatively good. Yeah. Um, I, I think, I mean, like, obviously, wasn't Satoshi was the one who registered the original uh, Bitcoin.org domain name, right? That was Satoshi at GMX or whatever was his, what he used to register it? That the, GMX email address? Yeah, because they must start a Bitcoin talk, right? Um they most definitely started Bitcoin Talk, and then Bitcoin.org was transferred to Cobra at some point. Yeah, but I think. So. But anyway, I I think either Satoshi or whoever did the early registration did it. Yeah, and that email actually ended up ended up getting hacked or something, right? Or something. Right, GMX the was the one who they put po someone posted from that email address. Craig Wright or uh, what was it? Dorian Nakamoto is not Satoshi. Yeah, Dorian Nakamoto is not Satoshi. Um, yeah, so there might be, so the domain registrar, registrar is one. Um, but yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, like you're connecting back to a physical location. So, uh, if, if the powers that be want to stamp you out there, they're going to stamp you out unless you use Tor or like I2P or something. 
Interessante. We will be uh, we'll be keeping taps of. I mean, we always keep taps of what Michael and Noddle team's doing. This was a cool thing to see. I mean, I'm, he's been teasing this since this time last year. It's cool to see people actually being able to use it now. Yeah, and the Nodal Dojo, the Samurai Nodal pre-order should be up soon, so I'm excited for that, and I'm pretty excited for Nodal Cloud. I think Nodal Cloud could be like a really, really easy way to onboard new merchants and you know serve people, anybody who really wants to receive Bitcoin for things. Yeah, shout out to the team there, put the team on your back. Um, next up, we got Wasabi Air. There's a, a Wasabi Wallet error that is freaking some people out. Uh, they're they're plugging in wallets uh, that should have UTXOs that show up in the. They're plugging in specifically hardware wallets. Specifically hardware wallets that should have UTXOs that are recognized by Wasabi. Wasabi is not recognizing those. Fear not, your your UTXOs are not lost. You simply need to rescan your wallet. And the way you do that is you go into settings, you switch it to testnet, then you X out of Wasabi, then you. Open Wasabi again, so then it launches in testnet. Then you go into settings, you switch it back to mainnet. Then you X out again, and then you relaunch, and then it'll it'll do a re-scan. It'll rescan and the should blockchain. Be there. Yeah, yeah. rescan and should be there. Yeah. So this happens sometimes with some wallet software. It's happened to me in the past where I've opened up a wallet and haven't seen the UTXOs that I thought should be there. I have had that moment of panic myself before in the past, but yes, typically wallets will. Uh, enable a rescan wallet feature. Wasabi seems not to be very straightforward. It's a bit of a process that you had to uh, uh, switch to testnet. Yeah, you had to incite sort of manually. Um, but yes, fear not. It's simply, uh, you can rescan the blockchain. The wallet will find your UTXO and it will show up. Just a friendly PSA. Yeah, and if you, if I mean, you shouldn't be. I mean, it's poor, poor form to be looking up your addresses on a block explorer. But if you do. Look on a block explorer, and your UTXO is not moved. It has not moved, so it's a good way to double check if it's, you're not seeing it in your wallet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, don't don't panic. You have the derivation path. You have the private keys. You should be good. Uh, just take a deep breath. And I have uh, had uh, that is a scary yeah. moment. Though. I've had I have experienced that, and it's like what the fuck. Um, so I feel for you. I feel for your freaks if you if you've had that that moment uh, with wasabi. In yeah, I mean, we specifically had a freak reach out, so that's why. We're giving this PSA. Um, so how about this crypto rating? Uh, Pretty ballsy. Crypto rating council. The crypto rating council. It's very ballsy. So it was launched by Coinbase, Kraken, Poloniex, and Bitrex. And it is a effort by this consortium of Bitcoin exchanges, cryptocurrency exchanges, uh, to uh, self-regulate and uh, measure the securityness of a given token on a scale of one to five. Like if it's a security, not like how secure it is. Yes. If it's a like if financial it's like security. A finan- yeah. Like if the SEC should regulate it. Yeah. So they came out uh, and, and rated a bunch of coins on a scale from one to five. If you are a five, you are a security in their mind. Of course, none of the tokens that were on any of these exchanges were securities in their definition because these are legitimate businesses that would never trade illegal securities. But uh, it was funny, this, this story, you couple it with the SEC uh, news of the Block 1 fine this week, uh, where EOS was defined as a security in its pre-sale. Um, and it got, I believe it got a 3.5 on the security scale. Yeah, let's not jump ahead on ourselves okay. so quickly. Okay, we we'll, we'll leave EOS to the back end here. Okay, we'll leave EOS in the back We got to talk about this crypto rating council bullshit for a little bit first. Um, 
I know. Well, yeah, it's. I mean, it's an attempt by a consortium of exchanges to self-regulate, and it. it no, no, wait, wait. First of all, five is a security, right? Yes. And they agreed amongst each other that if they rate anything a five, they will not disclose it. Disclose it or they, sell they it? They said we will not tell anybody what the fives are. They said that? Yeah, in the announcement, they said no fives. So I'm trying to pull up right now. I'm trying to pull up the actual rating. Um, uh, I believe Litecoin, Monero, and Bitcoin were the only ones, which means they're pure cryptocurrencies. Was ETH one, too? They rated them. They, I mean, they also put DAI there in number one. So they have those four in number one. And then in number two, they have... Number two, they have Algorand, Chainlink, Ethereum, Numerare, Zcash. And then number three and a half, they have Augur, Decentraland, EOS, Foam, Hedera Hashgraph, Loom Network, Stellar, Tezos. And then XRP they have at four. And then they have Maker, which is uh, the token behind DAI, um, at four and a half, and Polymath at four and a half. So besides the fact that bunch of these names i have no idea what the fuck they are they don't list any fives and they say in the thing that they're not going to disclose any fives but like if xrp is a fucking four then like maybe fives don't exist maybe maybe they just won't rate anyone a five so it's kind of just a bullshit like so many of these are probably securities like i don't necessarily want the sec to regulate these things i'd rather them just have a hands-off approach and let them die from natural natural causes but this is a pretty bold move like if these aren't securities then what is a security right is anything a security well that's the thing that's why i brought up eos is because if you look at the sec's action this week against the fund that launched eos they basically said eos in its pre-launch form was a security token so their rating system is obviously defunct because it's the 3.5 is not a 5 Right, EOS should be a five, or maybe EOS is a three point seven five. Maybe all the ones I said were three and a half or three point seven five, but still, yeah. If EOS is a three point seven five in security, um, the funny thing about so they find them twenty four million dollars. Okay, so we're talking about EOS um, and Block One now. Yeah, EOS got fined and did it. These both got released on the same day. I believe yeah, hours. Crypto apart. Rating Council hours came apart. out first, like right before the SEC announcement, and then. The SEC announced it, so they 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 give them a twenty four million dollar fine on an allegedly a four billion dollar raise. Like the the way they set up their ICO is a year long ICO, um, so that you could there could be wash trading in there. That's why we say allegedly four billion. You don't know if they like were taking. It could have been a re- huge money laundering scheme. Yeah, like you take received ETH and Bitcoin, and then you run it back through and. Um, and you, you, you pump those numbers up. But regardless, $24 million is like an absolute slap on the wrist. Um, I believe it's 60 bips of the, over, of the overall raise. So which leads me to believe that even if these things are securities, as long as you settle with the SEC, like it just shouldn't kill them. Yeah, it begs the question. That was a hot debate after this news came out. A lot of hardcore anarchists and cypherpunks, uh, not yelling, but calling out Bitcoiners who are mad that the sec didn't take harsher uh or uh didn't punish this uh block one harder um and 
So do we, like you just alluded to there, you don't want to see the SEC come in rather than have hands-off approach. But can we let this, the scammery go unchecked? Like, did the SEC just give a go-ahead for people to scam people out of a bunch of money? I mean, I, I'm on, like, free unregulated markets, right? So, like, I think both the SEC and EOS can go fuck themselves. That's, like, my feeling here. Um, I do think this was very much like a green light uh, for all these guys and all these different token projects and stuff. I mean, th- that doesn't mean like the market will actually uh, want to go in them uh, and invest in them. But in terms of government regulation, we had this whole, like, for instance, it confirms my belief with Ethereum. For Like a lot of people are saying is Ethereum security was Ethereum. So the interesting thing about here with EOS is they also said in their findings that the original token was an ERC-20 token on Ethereum, and that was a security. But when they switched over to like the EOS mainnet and you swapped your token for like actual EOS tokens, um, then it was no longer a security. So they're alluding to the fact that Ethereum is a security, securities offerings platform? But like Ethereum, right, was your original Ethereum... Like Bitcoin. the Ethereum pre-mine was on Bitcoin. Well, it wasn't on But Bitcoin. it was tied to Bitcoin keys. And then you got mainnet. But anyway, my point is, is that you had this huge regulatory shadow on top of Ethereum. And a lot of people are saying, are they going to come down on them for securities regulations? It seems like even if they did, it would be like a tiny little slap on the wrist. Um, but it cements my belief that what we are going to see for these centralized chains is we're going to see creeping KYC and they're just going to try and put KYC everywhere. Um, so like it's re- it'll be really hard to use those platforms without giving a ton of personal identifiable information. Yeah. So be aware, be aware. It'll be interesting to see what happens after the announcement this week. And I believe there's a lawyer on Twitter. I believe it's Lex underscore node. Is that correct? Do you know who I'm talking about? I have no idea what you're talking about. There's, well, there's a lawyer on Twitter. He had a thread this morning basically diving into why the SEC did what it did and why the, the fine was $24 million in particular, and they didn't take down Block 1 and EOS altogether. Oh, and wait. Is this the guy who was like, I told you guys it was going to be this amount of money, and now I'm right? Is it that guy? I don't think so. Uh, Maybe it was. I don't think so. No, because he seemed a little dismayed that uh, it was, it was uh, this light. You thought it was too low? Yeah, well, he said, and, and basically came to find that the SEC's, uh, again, this is all opinion and conjecture, I think, but the SEC's reasoning was that uh, Block One's investments in other companies that had sprawled in the wake of the EOS launch made the network too big to fail, if you will. There was too, ma- too many uh, entrenched people getting paid by companies building on this network that they felt... Uh, if they were to bring it down, they would have harmed too many individuals. Yeah, I mean, it sounds vague as fuck to me, right? Like, it, ambiguous. Yeah, yeah like, exactly. And then, so, SIA also came to an agreement. So, SIA, SIA is the ones who... Um, Run by Obelisk. They wanted to create their own ASICs, correct? Yeah, they wanted to create their own ASICs, but their network is supposed to be like Dropbox with a blockchain. Yes. Right? Um, so like you store files on other people's computers instead of like Dropbox's server. They had a way smaller ICO. It was like um, 600,000 or something like that, right? No, I think it was 125K or something. And they got punished way worse 
from a percentage. Um, they have to pay $225,000. So not only do they have to give back basically all the money they raised in the ICO, but they have to give back interest Double and fees almost. on top of that. Yeah. Um, interest and fines on top of that. So they're not very consistent here. Um, and who knows? You know, if EOS raised even like a half of the amount of money they raised, they could line a lot of pockets. Yeah. Right? And, yeah. and But I, a lot of these... A lot of these projects could. No, that was the other thing that some of the lawyers in the space were teasing out was uh, the the ability for EOS to pay the lawyers that they did and the connections that they had with the SEC via prior cases may uh, may have given uh, Block One some some undue influence and really highlights the the problem of uh, regulatory capture and and the the swinging door of regulators and lawyers in America in particular. Yeah, Ben Lawsky, the creator of the Bit License, when he was the New York Department of Financial Services chair, uh, is now on the board of Ripple. So there you go. On to uh, onto products that are, uh, imbue signal into the space and, and, and aren't as noisy as these ICOs and stuff like that. We mentioned it in the ad read earlier, but earlier this week, CASA, uh, they enabled team signing for CASA Diamond members. Um, so you'll be able to set up multi-sig schemes uh, on your mobile app that uh, make it so if you're running a, a fund or a business and you want to move funds and uh, you want to set up a scheme so that you need a certain amount of people to uh, sign off on the movement of those funds, CASA is making that very easy. They announced that earlier this week again for their Diamond members. Yeah, up until this point, uh, CASA you, was was designed for like a single person to be managing the whole process and then you got one key to sign and then you get another key to sign but in this case it'll it'll allow you to just like have a team member seamlessly like they log in with their account and just do their one key i've yet to test the feature out it does require the diamond which is their highest level which is like five thousand dollars a year um they which kind of makes sense because like, I think it's like targeted more for like a hedge fund or something like that. You know, they're, they're, they're trying to custody like $40 million, $30 million, $5,000 is nothing. They can have their whole team do it. One interesting thing to note here is that this is one of the features that Unchained has had for a while, uh, which I thought made Unchained's product pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Optionality increases. Um, and actually, Speaking of optionality increases, this is something you don't have on the list that we were talking about this morning. I'm surprised you don't have the list. BitGo announced today that they're adding staking services for Dash and Algorand. But Dash is not even staking. It's masternodes or whatever. Yeah. Does, is, is there a differentiation How did there? BitGo get caught up in the masternode scheme? That's what I want to know. I don't know. It's weird. Can you describe the... Do you think they hold a lot of Dash? I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. So let's explain Dash. How, let's explain Dash. Well, for a lot of you newer freaks, you probably don't understand what Dash okay. is. Dash was born as... It was Darkcoin. No, right? as Xcoin. Xcoin, yes. And then it had, at launch, there was like an Instamine. So it was a fast mine. It was a ninja Instamine. They like they they marketed that, that so, much, so many coins were going to be launched at the beginning. And then they did the launch and they created like 500,000 more coins. No, it was... I think it was two million. Coins, Maybe two. It was an insane it was, amount. It was what happened was the difficulty had a bug, so the difficulty didn't readjust, right? And then, so then they fixed that because it was, I think, a Litecoin fork. So it was a Litecoin fork, 
They call it X-Coin. It has this fast mind bug in the beginning, this instant mind bug in the beginning. And then they, I guess they fixed that. And then they changed their name to Dark Coin. They add coin join features, uh, basically like a worse version of Wasabi um, or Samurai. And then they rebranded, because Darkcoin looked bad, they rebranded to Dash. Oh, and they have this system in place where you can essentially stake coins. You you take a thousand coins and you put it in a Yeah, so in the run up, run up of the 2017 bull market, like 2015 through 2000, beginning of 2018, like acquiring enough Dash to, to run a masternode was a hot thing. And people were like trading full masternodes on Bitcoin Talk and shit like that. And they turned out to be terrible investments. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, like all the other shit coins too. Uh, but uh, yeah, so now I guess, so so the master nodes end up in a similar situation. Basically, if you have a thousand dash, you get paid reward. Uh, just to sum it up as quick as possible, because I can't believe we're still talking about dash. Uh, and now Bitco is going to run them for people. So I'm assuming they're going to like pool funds together. Uh to get a masternode. And then so. do you know Algo at all? Algorand? Is that just normal? Is that I don't even know what normal staking is. Normal staking isn't actually a term. Yeah, I'm not sure. I mean, Algorand is, is one of the... VC coins. One of the VC coins that launched and plummeted immediately a few weeks ago, I believe. <laughs> or a month ago. Did it point. just launch? It launched like within the last six weeks. I so think. anyway, these are the first two they're offering. And I can imagine they're going to launch a, a whole shitcoin filled basket of things you can stake add it to the thread oh and also coinbase announced did you see that like one and a half percent interest on usd coin yeah so anyway all these centralized parties are quickly entering the staking race um as predicted because people will always choose the a, a large amount of people will always choose the most convenient option and that's where we are today yes so be aware. Be aware. These staking services are going to pop up. They are popping up. And it, it proves, or it doesn't prove, it highlights what we think is a centralized, uh, centralizing force in proof-of-stake systems. Yeah, proof-of-stake is inherently less permissionless, and it is, in, it inherently becomes more centralized over time. Yes. Um, just a, a public service announcement out there to anybody using Keybase. There's a lot of a person I impersonators out there these days so yeah be wary i specifically have someone out there maddie odell there's like four of them now uh that are using my my icon and instead of just matt odell they put a middle initial in the middle so matt p odell matt d odell maddie odell is there um so just be aware then one nice thing about keybase is that it's built around uh, identities so social signature yeah. yeah so if you go there and my twitter isn't connected to that account then you know uh, i mean i also have my pgp key there so if you guys want to verify that you can do that too but uh, if my twitter account isn't there then you know uh it's an impersonator so always check and me and marty will never ask you for money never and we will never you know, we're never going to DM you and ask you for money. And we're, we're never going to DM you and tell you we're going to give you money either. So just keep that in mind as well. That's a telltale sign. Yes, yes. Uh, if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Um, that's all we got for this week, dude. What do you want to riff on? I actually... Okay, like, don't crucify me on this one. The Brave Browser is pretty dope. 
I love the Brave Browser. Have you been using it? Yeah, I use it for all my Bitcoin activities. I use the Brave Browser. You just don't activate the shitcoin. You can just not activate the shitcoin on the top. Um, it's surprisingly good. It's really lightweight. Um, it's nice that it's got the built-in blockers all set up, so you don't even have to install any other extensions. Um, so I'm like just been using an extension list, and it's been fantastic. Uh, one interesting thing is, did you notice that in the in the private, if you go to private window, it has like a tour built in, and you can just go private window with tour. I did not realize that. Yeah, it's pretty badass. Yeah, it is. Uh, and, is, and again, I've been using it more and more recently, trying to get away from Chrome. Uh, and it uh, it's fast, it's lightweight, it, it and it just works. It's good. Yeah, so you can actually. It's like pretty convenient if if a lot of people they don't want to you know open up a dedicated Tor browser or whatnot. Uh, to look up an address real quick. You can instead, if you're using Brave, you can just like open a new private window with Tor. There's two options. One is private window, one is private window with Tor, and then you can just go to blockstream.info's Tor uh, address, and you're good to go. Yeah. Nice and convenient. Be aware. Um, you got anything for us? I'm trying to think. I'm trying to think. I was really surprised by Brave. I actually, because, like, fuck them for their shitcoin, I, first I installed the center. Most people probably wouldn't realize this, but Decenter onboarded me to Brave because I tried Decenter, which is Gab's fork of Brave, um, and Apple is censoring Decenter. So not only do they not have any, they're not only are they not allowed to sign it through Apple systems, so it's like a not okay app by Apple standards. Uh, they also don't allow auto updates, so. Every time you re-update, everything gets wiped. I lost everything. Yeah. yeah, I might have been able to not lose everything, but I didn't feel like trying again because I had it like nice and set up like the way yeah. I liked it. You know. Well, I would see. So then I switched I would, to Brave. I would like to see Gab build out the center though, and like, why? Why are they getting censored so hard? Well, see, I for the last five years or something, I've been pure Linux only. So like, all my other computers are Linux, and then Gab is fine. Um. I mean, I was just using Chromium before, but now I've been using Decenter. Um, but with this new MacBook I got, uh, Apple has a stranglehold. I, I couldn't believe I I I couldn't believe that they make it so difficult to install. I mean, you have to just like right click and click open and stuff, but they like make it scary to install apps that they have not improved. Yeah, like Bitcoin. So it's really, like, it's when a you download garden. when you download the Bitcoin repository, you have to go to your system preferences and allow it. Yeah, or you can just. Go to find or right-click open. Yes. Once, right? And then you're good. I think so. After you verify the keys yourself, because Apple's not verifying the keys. Yes. And even if Apple verified the keys, you should still verify it yourself. Yeah, and that, that uh, PGB tool that you shared. GPGtools.org? GPGtools.org. That was really cool. I'm going to do a video on that real soon. It'll be up soon. All right. Well, thank you for doing the videos. You've been crushing it. I hope you freaked for liking the videos. I'm going to try and get in the mix. Again, we've Fuck got yes. we've got this new uh, audio equipment. Trying to get more video equipment too. We just want to make sure the quality is up to par, up to snuff for you freaks. Let us know what you think about this new audio equipment. It's sounding beautiful in my ears. Um, I know Matt's excited, and I think we we've tackled what that fuzzy was, so we're good. Yeah, yeah, we're good. Um, there was one big one that I had to cut out. I'm super excited. It. I feel really professional right now. I got this big stand, and I'm not holding my mic. Yeah. A lot of hand gestures, a lot more inflection, uh, a lot freer here. Um, 
That's what we're here for, Bitcoin. It's a freedom-enabling technology. Uh, we're just trying to get free people. Uh, that's all we got for this week. Cheers, freaks. Unless you got anything to say. Uh, no, stay humble, stack sets. Peace and love. Okay.